0: Well, we're going to look particularly at Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7 this morning. But as we come to do that, let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you that you have shown us the way of salvation in your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have revealed that to us so that we might know it and we might understand it and we might live for it. And we ask you now to teach us through your word that we may be equipped for every good work. And we pray in Jesus Christ's name, amen. Well, today brings us to the end of the Winter Music Conference. It's been great to join with you. It's been a great weekend. I hope you've felt that as well. I've particularly enjoyed meeting many of you and hearing your stories, hearing stories of faith and action, if you like, and how your Christian faith has informed how you've lived. Um, yesterday afternoon, it was great to uh, get soaked um, on, the, on the walk and have a, a cup of tea after. Uh, it's been uh, great to talk about the abysmal Scottish uh, rugby team. Um, you can see I've changed allegiances this morning. Um, I thought I might have more luck if I went for the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, but we come to an, an end today. In, in some ways, as I was preparing this and thinking about the, the last talk in um, the Winter Music Conference, it made me think of what happens in student ministry every year. We get to the end of the year and people leave. Uh, sometimes uh, that's people in first or second year or other years who are going to come back, but they go for the summer. Uh, for others, it's the, uh, the end and then they don't go back. Or well, there's some people you think are going to come back and then jump ship. Um, LAUGHTER and go to different churches, which is great as well. Um, <laughs> particularly it's a good church. So you're, you're all right, Ed. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but people leave. And as they, as they do that, there's some. Uh, it's one of the things which brings great joy. But also it's one of the things I find really hard. Uh, great joy is you see people who uh, join in first year and grow through the years that they're with us. I think of one guy who came in first year, he'd been in a year out, he came and joined us and he told me he'd become a Christian over the period of that first year, of the year away abroad and he came and he really didn't have much idea of the gospel, he knew he was a Christian, he knew trusted in Jesus but his faith was really quite weak and I remember talking to him, he didn't even have a Bible and I remember giving him a Bible and he was delighted with this Bible. He read it and he grew. I remember him speaking to me after one sermon when I talked. And one of the natural applications was that we shouldn't be going out with unbelieving people. If we are going to start a relationship, it should be with a Christian. And at that point, he was going out with a non-Christian girlfriend. And he was troubled by this and wanted to know what he should do. And he could see at that moment, the call on him was, am I going to live for Jesus at this point? Or am I going to make this relationship the big thing? And so he ended up splitting up with his girlfriend so he could continue with Jesus. And he just went from strength to strength in that way, growing in his faith. And it was wonderful to see. And as he left, I remember him being interviewed at church. And just him testifying to his faith in Jesus. It was a wonderful thing. Really, really exciting. And there's loads of stories like that, I find, with the student ministry at Fullwood. And yet, the opposite can also happen. And I think it's, that is the hardest thing about being in full-time ministry. It's when you see people who seem to be going on with the Lord, seem to be Christians, seem to be growing, and yet they then walk away from the Christian faith. And there seems to be many reasons why people do it. Some of people are, are carried along by their Christian friends, and yet their faith has actually been in their Christian friends, and not in the Lord Jesus. And when their friends are taken away, then their Christian faith dissolves as well. For others, they walk away because of the lies of sin, whether it's the lie that a relationship is going to be more fulfilling and significant than a relationship with Jesus. For others, it may be that career is going to be the most important thing and provide everything in life. And for others, it's just a slow drift, imperceptible, but they just drift away. And as we finish here this weekend, I want to say that make sure that doesn't happen to us. We've seen something of the significance of the Christian faith, and yet we don't want to then drift away. We've seen some of the enormous grandeur of the Christian faith, of the gospel, and so don't let us drift And so Paul says in verse six of chapter two, these words that we just read. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. You see, Paul's main imperative, his main command in verse six there is, continue to live in him. More literally, you could say it's, it's just walk in him. Walk the Christian life. Don't turn away. You see, Paul is aware that there is a danger that people might turn away. You know, in, the, in the words that we read in verse 4 of chapter 2, Paul says this I tell you this so that no one may deceive you with fine sounding arguments. You see, we're not going to be deceived by silly arguments, but if it's a fine sounding argument, we may be deceived. Don't be deceived, says Paul. He says the same thing really in verse eight. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. You see, you may think, well, that would never be me. I'm never going to walk away. And yet remember the title of the whole weekend, the battle for the heart. There is a battle which can rage in us. And so we need to make sure that we are aware of the battle and that we're not going to turn away. You see, we want to win the battle because Christ is supreme in all things. And so I hope that this passage this morning will encourage us to keep walking in Jesus. Keep walking in Jesus in the way that you received him, rooted, built, established, and thankful. And so first, keep walking in Jesus. Again, just see the call, continue to live in him. Walk in him. As we go from here, continue to live the Christian life. The Christian life, says Paul, really is to touch all parts of our life. And remember what Paul prayed. He prayed that we would live lives which please the Lord. We've become Christians and part of becoming Christians means that we change allegiance. Once we were enemies, but now we've been reconciled. Once we were in the kingdom of God, darkness, but now we've been transferred into the kingdom of the son he loves. There's a change of allegiance. And so now we see Christ has supremacy in every part of our lives. And so we're going to want to make him supreme in every part of our lives. As you read on in Colossians, you'll see Paul has much to say about that, and particularly in chapters three. Now you'll see it involves getting rid of things such things as sexual immorality, and impurity, and lust, and evil desires, and greed, which all have their root in idolatry. It will mean not lying, not slandering each other, and not using filthy language. It will mean showing kindness, and patience, and having humility, and compassion. It will mean letting the word of God dwell richly among us as we teach and admonish one another. It will mean husbands loving their wives, and wives appropriately submitting to their husbands you see we are to continue walking in him that is in Jesus that's the battle lines if you like keep living in Jesus not gratifying the desires of our sinful nature but living in him walking in him well the natural question is if we're going to walk in him continue to live in him how are we going to do that and we'll see what Paul says. Firstly, keep walking in Jesus in the way you received him. You see it in verse six. So then just as you received Christ as Lord, continue to live in him. Paul says we are to continue to live in him in the same way as we received him. And the way that they received him was as Lord. They received Christ Jesus as Lord the one who is sovereign in creation and reconciliation, the one that they heard about in the word of the gospel that Apaphras came and spoke to them. The gospel which is all about Jesus. The way that they received him, they are going to continue in that faith. The gospel has mind-blowing proportions and we start to see that as we learn of the gospel and as it's taught to us. And so continue learning and understanding that. Think of some of the things that we've seen so far in Colossians. In verses 1 to 14, we saw Paul's prayer for the Colossians. He was thankful that God was working in their lives, that the gospel of truth had come to the Colossians. He was thankful that the gospel that was bearing fruit all over the world was bearing fruit in Colossae. And so he gave thanks for them and he prayed that that would advance even more in their lives, that they would grow in that knowledge and understanding knowledge which would lead to them living a life worthy of the Lord, bearing fruit, growing in knowledge even more, being strengthened and joyfully giving thanks. Remember last night we saw him moving to show us why they should give thanks. He showed us the stupendous Christ who is sovereign in creation and reconciliation, showing us that everything was made for Jesus and everything is restored by Jesus. Jesus. And these Colossian Christians, and we here today, have been incorporated into it. Now, once we were hostile, but now reconciled, presented holy and blameless in his sight, the astonishing thing that happened in them was because of the gospel. So keep listening to the gospel. And in the section we're not really looking at, what we read earlier from uh, verse 24 to 25, it shows us how the reconciliation, it comes to the world through suffering and struggling servants such as Paul Now he was a servant who brought the gospel to people. John Woodhouse summarizes the introduction in this way, saying, The stunning introduction to Paul's letter has shown what God is doing in the whole world by the gospel message. Because of what he has done for all creation in Christ by his death. And the surprising way in which he is doing it through servants of the gospel like Paul. The conclusion he draws, therefore, is the call to live the Christian life. In light of these momentous realities. So don't depart from the amazing thing. I mean why would you want to do that anyway? This gospel is so amazing. So momentous. And when other things battle for our hearts and our desires and our energies. Remember the gospel that we have received. So Paul says in the way that you received Christ Jesus. Walk in him. Live in him. And then as we look back, we are also to look forward. And there's four descriptions which Paul says walking in him will look like. Rooted, built up, strengthened and overflowing with thankfulness. And so first, walk by being rooted. Now I planted some trees in my garden last year. And as I planted the trees, I hoped that they are going to put down roots. It's quite obvious really, isn't it? If they don't put down roots then they're not going to be very great trees in the garden. It doesn't matter how much they might have on the top. If they've not got strong roots, uh, they're going to blow over, they're going to shrivel and die. So put down roots in your Christian faith. Now you could even translate the words there as uh, put down solid foundations. Uh, I remember last year watching uh, my neighbours uh, putting up a one-storey extension. I was amazed at how deep they dug the foundations. Uh, meters into the ground, they then filled with concrete and steel. So that the building that they put on top was going to be solid, and so as we're going to continue walking in Him, that means putting down stronger and stronger roots in the gospel, becoming more and more solid in the gospel. You could say, in some ways, it's the same as what He said in verse nine, praying that they would be filled with a knowledge of His will. And you see, it's not knowledge of some kind of abstract philosophy but knowledge of the person Jesus Christ. The one whose significance cannot be underestimated. To be rooted in Christ, it means to acknowledge our complete and utter dependence on him and to grow to understand that more. It's in him, verse three says, that we find all the treasures of wisdom and understanding, put down roots into him. And to push the the metaphor a little further, uh, he's the soil in which the roots will find all the nourishment that they need. And so put down roots into him, the roots where we will find life. And so uh, walk in him by being rooted in him, but also, Paul says, by being built up in him. And Paul seems to mix his metaphors here in some ways. So the first one is kind of putting roots down, a a picture of a tree. This one's a, a picture of a house being built. And a picture, again, the uh, first one, a picture of uh, stability. This one, a picture of growth, of movement, being built up in him. You see, as we put roots into the soil, then it will mean that we will flourish on top. And uh, we will grow in the faith. And uh, putting that faith into practice, putting their knowledge into practice, living the life and so over time, we will be making wiser and better choices in life as we grow in the gospel. You know, it's not really very surprising that when we are young, we make silly choices sometimes in our Christian faith. And many of you can probably look back on your Christian life and think, oh, yeah, I made silly choices when I was younger. And yet we are to learn from those things, rooting out the sin and growing in our faith. Living more and more to please God. We see the ways of life which we may have followed in the past were just dumb. And so we need now to follow Christ more. Maturity is something to aspire to. Do you know, can I say, there's probably older Christians in your congregations who are models to follow in this. Where you look at their lives and when they do things, they do things which are just wise. The right thing, the good things to be doing. You see, because it's not surprising because they've put down lives which have put down roots into the gospel and they've been growing in the gospel. And so the way that they live is mature in the gospel. So look up to those older members of our congregations. Listen to them. Learn from them. See how those roots have been put down by them. See how they've grown in the gospel and learn from them. You see, they've invested in their faith. And they become increasingly rooted and built up in Christ. Now before moving on from this point, just see where this, all of this takes place. You see what's repeated here. It's in him. You see it's continued to live in him, rooted and built up in him. You see, Paul wants to make us make really clear that we don't grow somewhere other than from in Christ, in the gospel. When you you preach at Fullwood, uh, you have to go up into the pulpit. And as you go up into the pulpit, there's a little sign uh, which says, Sir, we would see Jesus. You see, because the preacher is to make sure that they are preaching Jesus. Because that is where faith is going to come, in him. Not in anywhere else. And one person says, here we learn the principle that it's from Christ, with Christ and in Christ that we are to be built. You see, he's really excited sometimes to get excited about things other than Christ. And those things start to take our notice and those things start to detract from us and, and sideline us. Make sure we're always growing in Christ. And remember, everything is related to Christ. He's before all things and in him all things hold together. And can I say, as I say that, um, maybe something I couldn't say when I, if I'm speaking to those that I kind of look after and care for. Esteem your Christian ministers well for doing this for you. Do you know, in the, in the Anglican church, Christian ministers are to make promises which they say they will constantly bring Jesus before you that they will teach you the scriptures about Christ, that they will admonish and teach you and care for you by pointing to Christ and to be diligent in doing that. That's what they promised to do. And so as they do that, encourage them to do that. And as they come maybe to rebuke you and admonish you, listen to them because what they're doing is, verses six and seven, wanting you to be rooted and built in Christ so that you continue in him. And you see what Paul did, he proclaimed Christ. He admonished and taught everyone with all wisdom. Remembering verse three of chapter two, that in Christ we find all wisdom. Paul wanted to do that so he may present everyone mature in Christ. And so encourage your Christian leaders to keep doing that for you and listen to them and learn from them as they do it. Encourage them to keep looking to Christ and keep presenting Christ before you. Well, continue to live in him, rooted and built up. And then Paul says, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. You see, how are you going to continue? Are you going to continue by being strengthened in the faith as you were taught? And as Paul talks about faith here, he's not talking about something which you have when all the evidence runs out. It's not a leap in the dark. It's not just an intellectual ascent to something and neither is it just some kind of religious experience. Father, what Paul is saying here is strengthened in your reliance on Jesus. That's what faith really is, reliance. Now think about the chair that you're sitting on. You rely on that chair to keep you up. Now, we had some friends where we, where we used to live and they had one chair. I remember we had and some new people came to church and we invited them out for lunch at their house. And um, I remember Jane coming and sitting down on the, the chair around the dinner table and the chair just collapsed. Every time we went round to their house after that for a meal, we were a bit wary of the chairs. Our faith in the chairs weren't very strong. We didn't know whether they were going to take our weight. You see, reliance is a fairly normal human activity. Having faith in things is fairly normal. And what we are to have reliance on as Christians is Christ. Now, some of the things we've seen this weekend show us how worthy Christ is of our reliance Of our faith. And we want to be strengthened in that. You see, our faith is not about a strength of feeling that we have. So when people say, I wish I could have your faith, then they kind of miss the point of what faith is. Faith is not about the strength of feeling we have. It's about the person we have our reliance in, the person we put our trust in. It's not the strength of feeling that's important. You see, faith in and of itself isn't important. Faith is neither good nor bad. It's, it's faith in something. It's the object of our faith which is important. Now, I like Tim Keller on Facebook. And Tim Keller often puts up wise little proverbs. Do you ever come across people who always say wise things? you just think, oh, that's really great. I always seem to say really stupid things. Um, <laughs> I remember when I was a physio once, actually, I used, when, I, when I used to treat um, amputees, I would always just say really stupid things like, come on, best foot forward, oh, <laughs> and things like that. Uh, but Tim Keller has uh, really uh, wise things to say. And one of the things he said just a, a couple of weeks ago, he said this, he says, strong faith in a weak object fails, but even weak faith in a strong object succeeds. And she is the object of our faith, which is significant. And just think what we have seen about Christ this weekend. How worthy he is of our trust and our reliance. We'll be strengthened in your faith in him. Understand more of that. See, Paul wants us to grow in our trust in Christ and in nothing else. William Still, some of you may have heard the name before, was a Christian minister in Aberdeen. He was the minister of a church there for over 50 years. He was working right up into his 80s. I remember my brother was a, a, went to his church when he was a student. and He said when he was in his 80s, they had him round for a meal. He said they got to about kind of half nine, ten o'clock, and Mr. Still, he always called him Mr. Still. That was his name, Mr. Still. Said, oh, I need to go home now, boys. And they thought, oh, poor old man, he's getting a bit tired. He needs to go to bed. And he followed that by saying, I need to go and pray for all our missionaries now. And that was the kind of man. He was a formidable presence in, in the church, a great man. And he wrote a book on pastoral ministry. And he said this in this book on pastoral ministry. And he said, One of his great sadnesses in ministry was that some people attached themselves to him. This is what he said. He said, They thought I was stronger than they. And they clung to me in the hope that by climbing onto my back, they could become more than it was in them to be. And therefore in God's will for them to be. And he says, in the end, they were broken as they did that. You see, they were putting their faith in Mr. Still. Not in Christ. Now I see it with students whose faith is tied to their friends and not in Christ. Make sure that we put our faith in Christ, not in our friends or in your Christian ministers or in the church that you go to. So don't think because I attend JPC or because I attend Fullwood or because I attend Christ Church Walkley or Christ Church Encliffe or Holy Trinity that my faith is going to be strong. The faith is not in your church and the people there. Your faith is in Christ. So continue in him by being strengthened in your faith as you were taught. Don't move away from the gospel. And then that's where I think often people end when they come to these verses. But just look where Paul ends. And see what he says? Continue to live in him, rooted and built up, strengthened in your faith and overflowing with thankfulness. It's not hard, I think, to see why we should be thankful when we see what we've seen in Colossians so far, is it? I remember one Christian minister talking about his experience of having depression. He spoke about a ministry that he'd started up, a ministry which he thought was going to be really good, but it was really hard work. People started leaving the ministry. It wasn't going well. A constant pressure to do things, And I guess many people from church plants can relate to that fact, the constant pressure to be doing more and more. And then people who were close to him started criticising the things that he was doing. And he said he fell into a deep depression, unable to do anything. And he said the way that then he started to come out of that was when he went for a walk with his wife in the Peak District one day. And she said to him, you are so consumed by your depression that you are not thankful for anything. She said, you're killing your faith because of your lack of thankfulness. It's quite a strong rebuke for a wife. But he said that was the moment he started to come out of his depression. And now I say that not as a comment on depression. I know you can't just kind of snap out of depression. I say it as a comment on the power of thankfulness and the necessity of thankfulness in our lives. Normal, basic Christian living includes being thankful So continue in him by being thankful. You see, we come back to where I started on Friday night. For me, striving after so many things means I often neglect the gospel. I try to fit so many things in that I don't have time to really spend time on my faith in Christ. So I fit my quiet time in. But then I'm immediately on to watching the TV or playing the game that I want to play or rushing out to meet somebody or doing, or doing, or doing, or doing. I never have time to sit and ponder and think and appreciate the gospel. And yet, as I do all those other things, it takes me away from the gospel. And I think they're the things that can provide satisfaction. Somebody make this uh, perceptive comment when we move away from the gospel. He says, other kinds of human growth and development and achievement easily lead to self-satisfaction, self-importance and superiority. You see, it's starting to put our faith in ourselves then. I would add that happens when we are successful at those things. When we are unsuccessful it leads to self-doubt, lack of self-esteem, inferiority and unhappiness. But can you see how it all starts to focus on ourselves and what we should be doing is focusing on Jesus. And see how very different it is when we start to focus on Jesus because it's all about grace from beginning to end. It's not about how good we are or the performance that we can make in our Christian life. It's something that we can gaze upon, marvel at, that takes our eyes away from ourselves and points to Christ. You see how amazing this gospel of our saviour is. That provides all that we need. How amazing that this gospel has come to us as people taught the gospel to us. But we probably need to spend more time pondering on it, thinking on it, trusting it more and living for it more. Remembering it, being rooted in it, being strengthened in our faith as we are taught. And so as we go away from a great weekend, maybe let's have that resolve. To keep walking in Christ as we are taught. Being rooted, built, strengthened and thankful. Because the gospel is well worth as doing all of those things. Well, let me pray as we close. Father God, we thank you for this weekend for uh, the vision that we have seen of your gospel, uh, the gospel of our Lord Jesus and for all he has done for us. Uh, Father, help us to uh, keep living that gospel, keep putting our faith in Christ, and we pray that we would be rooted and built and strengthened in our faith. And we pray that we would also be overflowing with thankfulness to you for all that you have done for us. Father, when we go away from here, would you keep reminding us of the truth of this gospel? Would our churches and our ministries be places where the gospel is central? Where we constantly show ourselves again the wonder of who you are In what you have done for us. And we pray this in Jesus name. Amen.